Well, this morning I'm speaking from John chapter 10, verse 10, and the scripture in the Amplified says, I came that they, might ha- that they may have and enjoy life. You may have life and you may enjoy life and have it in abundance, that you would have it to the full and to the overflowing. So whenever, um, whenever we think of our life, do we ever think of it in the, in the, in the context of abundance, overflowing, and joyful. Yeah, oh, well, you know, <laughs> you talk, you're talking to me. <laughs> the answer is, yes, we're talking. <laughs> that the scripture is talking to us in that Christ has given to us that you may have life and you may have a, an enjoy life and you may have abundant life, a full life, and an overflowing life. Well, how on earth do you choose, how on earth do you do that? How on earth do you get to that place of joyful abundance, overflowing life? Well, there is a 17th century monk named Brother Lawrence, and he found the answer to enjoying the nitty-gritty things of life. Um, anybody have an idea what he was, what he did? Have a guess. A monk. What did he do? Any idea? 17th century monk. Well, anyhow, he was a humble cook (laughs) in a French monastery, and he authored a book called Practicing the Presence of God. Practicing the Presence of God. Now, in, in the book, he explained how he was able to turn even the most commonplace and menial tasks, such as Preparing meals and, and um, washing dishes. <laughs> I could see that. I, just thought, I thought, anybody love to wash dishes? That's why we have dishwashers. And that's why her name is, <laughs> his name is <laughs> Dalton, yeah, or Kira. <laughs> so we have an automatic dishwasher. Her name is, <laughs> you know, well, Brother Lawrence was a 17th century monk living in a monastery, and it was his, his, his duty to prepare meals and then, of course, do all the dishes and the cleanup. Well, he found that he was able to turn these tasks of not only preparing but also cleaning into acts of praise and communion with God. He was able to take his menial task of, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there was not a list of people volunteering for dishes. <laughs> there, you know, uh, none of us volunteer for dishes, I don't think so. But, uh, you know, we've got a dishwasher, that's why we have dishwashers, okay? So, you know. Uh, so the key, he wrote, is, uh, was not to change what you do, but to change your attitude towards what you do. Okay? So the key to this, to this message here that uh, you may have life, you may enjoy life, you may have life in abundance and full and overflowing, is that you don't necessarily have to change what you're doing, but change your attitude to what you do, towards what you do. So your attitude. Hmm. Anybody know what a bad attitude is? <laughs> no, we're only familiar with good attitudes that just don't look up very well. 
<laughs> we are familiar with, you know, what's a good attitude? What's a bad attitude? Well, somewhere in here I have the idea of an attitude is a state of mind that, refl- that is reflected in your behavior. <laughs> a state of mind that is reflected in your behavior. You know, like if you're happy, we need to let your face know it. <laughs> you know? If you are sad, you know, we are allowed to express our sorrow. But our attitude is often expressed in our posture. I'm excited today. You know, and it has all the opposite of excitement. So our, our attitude then has to change towards what we are doing. And this father, brother Lawrence, he stated that when you begin doing the task... Realize that you are doing them for God. You know, if God wants me to do something, surely there's something more important to me for me to do than dishes. Taking out the garbage. Making my bed. You know. Cleaning the house. Washing the car. Cleaning up after people. <laughs> Uh, I think I told you the, I don't know, I probably did. The, the little girl, they, they, had to, they had the pastor and his wife over for dinner, and they asked the little girl to pray, and she said, I don't want to, and she says, well, just say what you heard mommy say. Okay, dear God, why did we invite these people here? <laughs> why did we invite these people for supper? You know, so... Menial tasks. <laughs> That's not what I said. <laughs> okay. But anyhow, the key word is not to change what you do, but to change your attitude towards what you do. So that is reflective in this de- declaration that we have in John. I came that you might have life and you might enjoy life and that you might have it to abundance. So it is a very important thing that how we think about what we do. Not necessarily changing what we do, but understanding that what we do has a purpose. Psalm 1611 says, fullness of joy is with thy presence. Fullness of joy is with thy presence. We just sang about in your presence, or something to that effect. Uh, and, And the idea is that in the presence of God, now remember, where can we be that God is not? Nowhere. He's everywhere present. So if God is everywhere present, that means that he is here with me no matter what I am doing, no matter what I am saying. I can't hide from him in the dark because he's there. You know, so God is always there. So what we're doing is reminding ourselves of his presence. So what we're, we're taking upon ourselves to practice the presence of God. So everybody say, I'm going to practice the presence of God. I'm going to practice the presence of God. Amen. Let's go home. That's <laughs> not that quick, is it, preacher? So, so we're not asking, we're not simply asking God to bless our efforts. We are realizing that the efforts we are doing is the will of God. The will of God, you know, we would think that the will of God should be, menial, that should be more meaningful than washing dishes. 
Well, with the Apostle Paul, he made tents. With Peter, he was a fisherman. So the menial task and the will of God isn't some grand, necessarily some grandiose you know, accomplishment that we're going to go out and do for God. We're going to change the world. And who's going to support us while we do it? Well, we're going to get some people somewhere to support. We've got to go about our daily task and do the things that are part of our life, which sometimes is menial task. And we've got to earn money. We've got to earn a living. We've got to have something to show for our tasks. And so we believe that we are asking for God to bless his will in our life, which is the daily task that we are doing. Asking God and reminding ourselves that God is with us. The Apostle John said that Christians have an anointing from the Holy One. So I have an anointing from God on my life, each of us, because we have God inside of us. We've asked Christ to forgive us of our sins, that we have God with us. And, you know, where I am, there you may be also. Christ has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. So God is with us. And so where I am, God is there. So we're, at, we're reminding ourselves that God is there. We're reminding ourselves of what we already know. The anointing that you receive is from him. This is John 2:27. But the anointing you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Well, that verse can be a little confusing, but what we're saying is that Christ's anointing teaches you the truth about everything. So when I'm asking God and seeking for God to bless me and also that I might be a blessing and I'm practicing the presence of God, what I'm doing is allowing the Holy Spirit to teach me the truth about everything that I'm doing. Meaning that there are insightful things that, of, about what we are doing that God can help us to see and understand that we haven't learned before. And it would simply be by praising God or thanking God or recognizing that God is with me, practicing the presence of God, <laughs> teaching us the truth about everything you need to talk about yourself and him, live deeply in what we are taught. So we are living to the, we're living life to the max because we are teaching ourselves that God is with us. So the Spirit teaches us about the things of God. And the, Brother Lawrence found a way that we can practice the presence of God, meaning that he is here and that he will teach us. Ultimately, all spiritual knowledge is from God. Everything we know about God, the Holy Spirit has taught us. And there is so much more for us to understand about the Scriptures and about the teachings of the, of the scripture. So the Bible does not teach that only some can have a special anointing of the spirit. It's teaching us that all who have Christ in their life can have this anointing. So our task is simple to allow the Holy Spirit to help us be aware that God is with us all the time and that we practice the presence of God that we remind ourselves that God is here and that God is with me and that the Holy Spirit is with me. 
Because if we have Christ in our life, the Spirit of God is in us. And the Spirit of God is there for us to know, to understand, to believe, to accept, and see how that he speaks to our hearts and our lives. So we welcome the Holy Spirit into everyday life, (laughs) acknowledging everything that we are doing and also acknowledging that God is with me. So, how do we acknowledge? Judy, hi. I just acknowledged you. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I called your name. Guess what? God acknowledges you every day. If we pause, we'd say, oh, hi, God. (laughs) Yeah, you're here. So what we're doing is allowing ourselves to be aware that God is with us. So the decisions that we make, the temptations that we encounter, God is there with us. The Bible, you know, the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. Okay. I'm acknowledging God's presence, so therefore God is not leading me into this temptation. Ooh. (laughs) We are tempted of our own lusts. We are tempted of our own desires. And so acknowledging God's presence counterbalances and counter, you know, and what's the word? Uh, not encounters, but counters the effect of the, the temptation. God is there to give us the strength to overcome the temptation. So Christ is the perfect revelation of the presence of God. Christ is the perfect revelation of the presence of God. So having Jesus with us Recognizing that Jesus is with us is like Jesus walking with the disciples and teaching them. You see, Christ is always here. Christ is always with us. Nothing can pluck you. And then we did that in the Sunday school lesson. Pluck has the idea of a wolf coming into a herd of sheep and snatching a sheep or a lamb out of the flock and you know, taking them off to eat them, consume them. Well, Jesus says, nothing can pluck you from my hands. No wolf, no deception, nothing can remove you from my presence. So whenever we are acknowledging God, when we feel like we're being torn, we need to acknowledge the presence of God and understand that nothing can separate me from God. So I don't need to give in to the temptation. I don't need to think that God has abandoned me because he can't. Why? He said so. (laughs) He cannot, God cannot break his word. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what God promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and what God promised to Moses and all of the prophets in in the Old Testament, what God promised through Christ in the Gospels, what God promised through the apostles and through the, the writings of the New Testament, it is impossible for him to break that word. He can't, he won't, or he wouldn't be God. So we're the only ones that can break our word. God cannot break his word. So Brother Lawrence then, in his explanation of how he was able to turn even the most commonplace and the most common menial task of washing dishes, (laughs) he turned them into acts of praise and communion with God. 
You know, sometimes we're, um, sometimes we're caught up in tasks. We've done them a hundred times before. <laughs> and we, don't, we can do them without thinking. That's our problem. <laughs> Some people are doing things without thinking. You know, people are driving without thinking. <laughs> Just... I don't know how they expect to stay alive <laughs> or keep somebody else alive because they're not paying attention to what they're doing. And you see, whenever we are practicing the presence of God, we're not texting. <laughs> hey, God, how are you? <laughs> you know, I don't know what the letters mean and, you know, but hey, God, you know, HG, hey, God, how are you, you know? And he says, I'm doing fine. Watch out for that tree in front of you. Oh. <laughs> so. But he turned, and Lawrence was able to turn his acts into praise and communion with God. And the key, he wrote, was not to change what you do, but change your attitude toward what you do. An attitude is a settled way of thinking, a settled way that we've already determined how we're going to do this. Attitude. I already know this is not going to work out. Why? Because I tried it before. It didn't work then. It's not going to work now. A settled attitude. Which what? <laughs> Which is reflected in a person's behavior. I already know this isn't going to work. So what is the behavior of a person who knows it's already not going to work? Not going to try. Why try? I, I, I did this once. Do you... Th <laughs> You know, I tried to cook once and to burn it, so I never tried it since. <laughs> yeah, you know, that would like, yeah, right. So it's important for us that we understand that whenever a person has a certain attitude, we either are defeated, frustrated, uh, overcome, or we are expectant. We have a victorious expectation, a triumph, a vanquishing, a winning, an anticipation, an eagerness, a hope. So whenever we have an attitude of expectation, we are setting things up. Whenever you have an expectation of being victorious, hey, I can win this. <laughs> I, can, I can do this. You know, I think I always used to say to the kids, you know, you're going to have to do your homework. And you're going to have to do it before you go to bed. So you might as well get it done and be over with. But somehow there was always this, eh, I don't want to, I don't need to. <laughs> uh, so any, any, any takers on that? None. You don't know of such a thing, Terry? Okay, I didn't. There was no, you know, don't have that in your house, right? Everybody is, yes, let's get it done. There's somebody hiding behind a computer back there. What is this? Yeah, there's, there he is. <laughs> so anyhow. You see, whenever we practice the presence of God, we will find even the, that taking out the trash can be okay. That that we don't let the enemy deceive us into thinking that you must get away from your daily routine in order to have some type of enjoyment to life. I've got to go on vacation because I've got to get away from this so that I can enjoy life. No. 
It isn't getting away. It is bringing what we're doing to God. I don't have to move someplace else because generally whenever we move someplace else, we take our bags with us. (laughs) And I'm not meaning our clothing. (laughs) The baggage that we have in our own minds and hearts is the baggage we take with us. And if we haven't cleaned that up before God where we're at, we're not going to clean it up someplace else. So we need to recognize that God is with us. So enjoy going to work. Well, he can say that. He's half retired. (laughs) Well, enjoy going to work. Enjoy shoveling snow. Uh, Enjoy going to the grocery store. Enjoy washing dishes. This guy's got it all wrong, you know. But he doesn't. See, you have to do these things anyway, so why not choose to enjoy them? You see, whenever we enjoy what we're doing, we're recognizing that we, there's, a, there's a purpose in it. God has a purpose in, in what we are doing. I'm not just doing this to survive. This, I'm wanting to do the will of God in my life, so what I am doing is the will of God? I thought there'd be more spirituality in it if it were the will of God. I thought I would see God in all of this if it was the will of God for my life. Well, guess what? As we practice the presence of God, we begin to see God in what we do. (laughs) We begin to see that God is with us. He promised never to leave us, and he's promised that he would lead us in the path of righteousness for his namesake. So God, for his namesake, is leading me in the path. So is he going to start tomorrow whenever I start practicing the presence of God? (laughs) He'll lead me someplace else. Probably not. We'll do the same thing tomorrow that we've been doing for weeks and months and maybe years, and we're going to change all of that by simply remembering that God is with me? Practicing the presence of God. So what are we going to do? Practice the presence of God. Well, don't sound too convincing. (laughs) Practicing the presence of God. So, will I have a smile on my face and a spring in my step because I am practicing the presence of God? Hmm? I'm on the old brick road. We go. <laughs> where? Where? Where was the lady with the ruby slippers going? Where was she going? Oz! We're going to Oz. <laughs> no, we're going to work. And I don't have ruby slippers on to click three times and we can go home. <laughs> You're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> you know, we need to wake up. I'm not in Kansas anymore. You mean I can go home if I just click my slippers three times? No. <laughs> we need to practice the presence of God. And we're not on a yellow brick road. We're on the road of life where God is with us and he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Timothy says, I tell you, I urge you 
to pray for all people, asking God for what they need, and being thankful to him for all people. You see, when I practice the presence of God, I will be aware of the needs of others. <laughs> and I can pray for them. You see, when I'm, when I'm focused on just getting through the day, just getting my job done, just I wish I didn't have to do this anymore, I, you see, what happens is we're so focused on me, mine, and what's happening and the job that we're doing that we don't even see the need that is beside us or in front of us. I was, uh, well, just as we were, you know, I'm thinking of the sermon, singing the songs, and, and, why, and I said, practicing the presence of God, I'm thinking of God, you know, be with me. And what did I think of? I thought of another pastor who broke his neck, who is in, a, in one of those braces, and his neck is in healing, and so they figured out something else must be wrong, so he has cancer. So, he not only has a broken neck, they find out he has lymphoma. <laughs> okay? So, as I'm practicing the presence of God, I remembered him to offer a prayer for he and his family and his wife. Because I'm sure that as they announced to the congregation this week that your pastor not only has a broken neck, which isn't healing, but he also has cancer and... It's going to be devastating to everyone to hear that. But you see, practicing the presence of God reminds us we're not in control. God is. And you see, we're not in control of the outcome. We know that God is in control of the outcome. And we don't know what the outcome is going to be, but we do know the one who has the outcome in his hand. Practicing the presence of God is reminding me this is not my life, it's God's. The number of our days are set in God's book and nothing can cut them short. Hmm. So God is the one who is the one who is healing and restoring and giving us strength for the day. And as we are practicing the presence of God, we're remembering the God who created this universe created me for this? Yeah. Because this is a divine opportunity to practice the presence of God. To practice the wisdom and creativity of God. That God has a purpose for this or you, we wouldn't be there doing this. And so God has a purpose for me and you and doing what we're doing because, well, it's a way of finding God in everything that I do. It's a way of bringing God to everyone I know. It's a way of being creative in a very seemingly uncreative place. You see, in John chapter 6, there, that's the story of the loaves and the fishes where, you know, we've got to feed all these people. And there is, we, don't, we, have, we found this boy, he's got five loaves and two fish. I found the answer, five loaves, two fish. 
5,000 people plus women and children. I got the answer. (laughs) You see, practicing the presence of God can remind us that what we have is not enough. But what did Jesus do? He gave thanks for not enough. So here we are going about our daily life and we find ourselves with five loaves and two fish and 5,000 people to feed, plus women and children. What am I going to do? Thank God for the five loaves and two fish. And then watch God multiply it. Oh, So we choose to enjoy life by practicing the presence of God, even whenever what we have is not enough. 1 Corinthians 15 says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? So we're challenged with the greatest obstacle to life, which is death. And he says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. practicing the presence of God. I have the victory in the most difficult situations I find. Hmm. Ephesians 1 says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you. I make mention of you always in my prayers. (laughs) Practicing the presence of God is remembering people we can pray for. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's us, practicing the presence of God. You are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You have the right to come into the very presence of God. Once you receive Jesus Christ, Everything he is, you become. Once we receive Christ, everything he is, we become. Jesus, because Jesus is more than a conqueror, means that I'm more than a conqueror. Because you become empowered to do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Who Jesus is, I become. Realizing that Jesus, realizing that because of Jesus, there is a greatness inside of you. Because of Christ, there is a greatness inside of us, and so what we are doing is bringing Christ to the workplace, to the home, to the dishes, in the pots and pans. The the pots and pans don't need saved, but they need washed. Cows, <laughs> they're not living for Jesus, but they need milk. <laughs> they need fed. The crops need planted. The crops need harvested. I can't see where all of this is important. Bring Jesus to the workforce, to the workplace. You see, you will discover who you really are so you can live the honorable life to which he has called you. We are all called to a specific life. And guess what? Ta-da! This is it! (laughs) 
You're not smiling. <laughs> You're not rejoicing like, this is it? You see how attitude determines behavior? We look at our life and say, this is it. And we go, no, it's not. Please, it's got to be more than this. And God is saying, bring me to it, and you shall find that it is greater than you ever expected it to be. You see, too often we limit God because we don't feel like this is any, it's not, this has got to be more than this. You know, what I got, this, this isn't too great, you know. Surely God has something better than this, and God is saying, no, I don't. What you are and who you are and what you are doing is so important to me that I gave my life for you, and I wrote this life with you in mind. I gave you the life that you are in with you in mind. So therefore, bring me, recognize that I am in you and you are in me, and together we are in this life doing dishes <laughs> and doing pots and pans. Surely you've called me to the kingdom of God for more than pots and pans. Shoveling snow, cutting grass, milking cows, <laughs> morning and night, <laughs> night and morning, getting up early, <laughs> no holidays, no vacations, practicing the presence of God. Our victories are only going to be accomplished by God's gracious hand of favor on our life. Our victories are only going to be accomplished by God's gracious hand of favor in our life. So, the things we are to remember. Number one, practice the presence of God. Number two, we can do nothing that glorifies God but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Practice the presence of God. Everything he is, everything Jesus is, you become. Practice the presence of God. Realize that because of Jesus, there is greatness inside of you. Practice the presence of God. Ready? Try that. Practice the presence of God. When you don't have enough, five loaves and a few fish, and 5,000 people to feed, what are we going to do? Practice the presence of God. What is going to bring about the extraordinary in your life? It is gracious. It is God's gracious hand of favor. Practice the presence of God. We all must choose one way or another. Life is either blind chance or it is by an intelligent design. Practice the presence of God. Let's stand. Psalm 1611, fullness of joy is with thy presence. 
God, it is your presence. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God, let us not be disarmed as we go into battle. Let us not see ourselves in this struggle. Let us see you in our life going through the difficulties and the joys. For God, you have called us to the kingdom of God, and this is what you have designed for our life. For this is who we are. This is where we fit best. So, Lord, let us remember that you are with us and that we must remind ourselves to practice the presence of God. You will never leave us nor forsake us. You turn everything into a divine opportunity. Bless our life and bless our efforts and bless the fruit of our hands, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen? So what are we going to do? Practice the presence of God. Amen. Amen. <laughs>